Welcome to the British History Podcast. My name is Philippa Lacey Brule and I want to extend a warm welcome to you. If you are new here, hi, thank you for joining. And if you are returning, thank you so much for your support. In this podcast, we explore all sorts of things that have gone on in British history. We look at people, we look at events, we look at outcomes and perhaps look at them from a different perspective than usual. If you would like to support me in this free podcast, this podcast will always remain free, but if you would like to support me, then you can head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash British history. And you can choose the tier there that would suit you best, starting from any £3 a month just for your kind support. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome everyone to Thursday Tea Time History Chat Live. I'm streaming live on YouTube and on Instagram. Welcome back. If you uh, come and join me every week, I can see familiar names turning up. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you're new here, you are of course extremely welcome. Thank you for coming along. Uh, We have I, well, I have loads of new followers each week, so thank you so much if you are new here. Thank you if you are someone who, um, I can see loads of familiar names coming up, if you're uh, always joining me um, because it's us working together like this that means that we can uh, be seen by other history lovers and they can have some fun too. So I hope you have all had a fantastic week. Um, I can see people joining. Good afternoon, Michael. Hi, Anandita. Um, She's a a member on YouTube. And also, Marianne, thank you. I have uh, some answers to your questions as well. Both Michael and Marianne put questions to me over the past uh, two weeks. Um, Hi, Lisa. Hi, Jenna. I can see loads of people joining. Thank you. So I hope you are all well. Um, Yes, we're already on Thursday and you know we are coming up soon to our first year anniversary of these History Chat Lives which I started, hi Celia over there in Brazil, I started these History Chat Lives as a bit of an impromptu, um, hi Jenna, 8am, Oh, good morning, good morning, have you got your coffee or tea, I have mine in my queen bee mug. <laughs> um, yeah, so these history chat lives, I started because I uh, it was just a quick way of getting some information over. We were starting Clubhouse, we were starting all sorts of things, um, plus also still being pretty much locked down. So it was a nice way of sharing history with with everyone um, whilst not being able to get out and about. And they're so popular that I've continued. So thank you uh, so much for your support. Coco, good afternoon. Right, this week, what have we got? So we've got some um, anniversaries. Janine, 7am in Minnesota. Good morning. I never know whether to... Shall I I be louder or quieter? (laughs) Or am I just about right? Um, Janet, raspberry pomegranate tea with lemon and a little honey. That sounds very healthy. Melissa, hi in Minnesota. Very healthy. Mine is a just a uh, Tetley, a Tetley tea bag brew. <laughs> I do have some posher teas. I like nettle. If anyone's interested in some cleansing tea, nettle's very good for you. Nothing to do with history. Um, just thought I'd throw that in there. So I'll let you know what I've been getting up to on Instagram and Clubhouse. Many of you I know join us there. Um, some of the posts I've been putting out this week, I'll go through some of those that uh, are interesting in case you haven't seen them or in case you just want a bit. They're, they're all interesting, so let's have a chat about it. Coco's on Earl Grey. Very nice, very posh, very posh. And uh, and also, like I say, I had some questions from Marion uh, who emailed me some uh, about St George's Chapel. So uh, I'll do my best to answer those. Um, yeah. And a couple of other things to tell you about. Um, if you are a member of my Patreon, and even if not, hold on because this is relevant to you too, then patrons, you have, as of five minutes ago, got access to Tracy Borman's interview. So I, I had a chat with Tracy Borman about, so she's got her new book, Crown and Scepter, out, obviously, which I'm sure um, most of you have heard about. And 
I wanted to ask her specifically about female rule um, and some questions uh, around that. Why is it an abomination? Why, why was it seen as an abomination, etc., etc.? It's really interesting chat, even if I do say so myself. That is available to patrons as of right now, plus uh, patrons got to ask, uh, were able to ask Tracy their own questions. So patrons, on your version of the interview, you have the 20 minutes or so where Tracy has answered your exact questions. So everyone else, that interview is available at midnight tonight. So in 11 hours time, it will be available on YouTube and on the British History Podcast. So that will be good. I've also done a shorter version on YouTube as well. The bit um, We got on to talking about all, all the female monarchs but we talked about consorts as well we talked about how women could wield power um but we talked specifically in this short bit about mary the first and how she paved the way for her sister elizabeth and the, and the comparisons between them so um so look out for that i think you will find that uh, really interesting if you're not a member of my patron and you think you might like to be then you can go and have a look i've got five tiers available so hopefully there's one that suits your needs and it's over on patreon.com forward slash British history. The other thing that I will mention now, because I may well forget, is I've set up um, an Amazon uh, store page because I know I give you lots of book recommendations and I haven't made it very easy for you to go off and find those books. So uh, I have done signed up to the Amazon affiliate program so obviously I do get a little bit of commission but that's a great way of supporting my work here as well if you don't mind and if you're going to buy the books anyway then you can click on the uh, on the link and it's it's dead easy it is now uh, amazon.co.uk forward slash shop forward slash British history so I'll stick links to that in as well so that's that's pretty easy but yes yeah, so I have a look out for uh, for Tracy's interview goes live in 11 hours time we talk about female rule and I also asked her at the end her views on the future of the British monarchy um, it's the Queen's Jubilee year um, and inevitably with her age we're starting to have more conversations about Charles, William and their role, their different personalities. They've got quite different personalities to the Queen. Um, the Queen fascinates me in a way because I think maybe we'll never really know her views on things. Now whether she shares them in private, I'm sure she probably does, but uh, she is very careful to remain apolitical in public. So um, I don't feel that that's quite the same for the, the generations coming up. So anyway, I asked Tracy her views on, uh, on that. So anyway, have a look at the interview. If you listen on the podcast, it's also available there. Um, oh, and there is a competition. Uh, that's quite a big thing for me to forget to tell you about. So you will be able to win a signed copy. So Tracy has signed um, her, a copy of her book, The Private Lives of the Tudors. And if you uh, check out the video on YouTube, there are instructions underneath the video as to how you can, well, actually, and in the video, uh, as to how you can win that book. So lots of reasons to watch, not least because it's a great interview. So um, hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me. I can still see people joining. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's Thursday again. So let's have some history chat. Um, cool. Right. Um, also, uh, just to mention, I've got my Teespring shop. So my images on Instagram. Um, I oh, did you see the one the other day of Nelson's sarcophagus in the bottom of St Paul's Cathedral? So where I've got any um, really uh, really good images, and I'm managing. Um, hey, uh, uh, Amokrain Shakib. I hope I've pronounced that right. Sorry, probably not. Can't even pronounce my own name right sometimes. Um, hi over there in Algeria. Um, yes, yeah, so where I've got good photos, I, I will endeavour. If you see one, by the way, that you think I would quite like that photo, um, I can upload it to my Teespring shop. 
um, and uh, and if you're a patron, you get a free one every month. I send it out. Stuart, hello. Hi, Donna, over there in Delaware. I hope you are all well. Um, yeah, so, so one of the posts I shared this week, because it was the anniversary of uh, Admiral Nelson's funeral, which I'll talk a little bit more about in a moment, um, I shared the picture of his sarcophagus, which is down in the crypt of St. Paul's. Now, actually, it's directly under the dome um, as well. His, his coffin was lowered into it as part of the service. And it is the black marble sarcophagus, sarcophagus that was meant for uh, Henry VIII, what Henry VIII had confiscated from Cardinal Wolsey, who is the one who actually commissioned it. Um, so you can go and uh, and and see the sarcophagus. Uh, obviously, that has Nelson in it, but would if he'd have had his own way, had Henry in it as well. Um, one of my or the still the most popular video of mine over on YouTube is the video of me completely off the cuff, with my hair wasn't done, <laughs> nothing, nothing was prepared. But I spoke about uh, Henry, why is he still at Windsor? And we're going to come on to Windsor in a moment. Uh, why is he still buried in this uh, unmarked, it's only marked because of William IV, unmarked vault uh, in St George's Chapel, Windsor? And why was he not ever moved? Um, Tammy May, 72. When was Henry VII's tomb broken into and do you know why? Yeah, I don't think it was broken into at any point. Um, it was opened up for further burials. So Charles I is in there and Queen Anne, one of Queen Anne's infant ch uh, children that died shortly after childbirth is also in there. And I think in Victorian times they started going around. I don't, there's quite a bit to know about St George's Chapel. Um, and... Uh, um yeah wh wh when people went into it and i think it's a bit, it's left left undisturbed now uh, a mad journalist i did a bit of a search but i was left a bit confused still why henry did not end up in the sarcophagus you have to watch my video <laughs> i can um because it's quite it, it's a it's still a matter of conjecture and opinion because there were plans drawn up, he drew up uh, plans for uh, for a tomb, and they were typical Henry. It was going to be massive and ornate, and to be fair, lots of people's are, um, and really impressive. So what I talk about in in the video, which I'll I'll. I'll pop a link, um, I'll tell you what, I'll share it on my Instagram story after this and I will pop it in the comments of this video on YouTube. Um, it, I go through, well, why Why did his successive children basically never create his, his tomb? Um, you can see another part of his tomb though, as well, which you may or may not know about, and they, uh, they've, they've, they're called the Wolsey Angels uh, because they were because <laughs> they were um, commissioned by Wolsey and again they were going to be incorporated into Henry's tomb and I have a video on that as well on YouTube um, they are at the Victoria and Albert Museum and Mad Journalist says I'm going through your videos in chronological order so still at the start well good luck with that I think I've got about 300 on there now have I about 300 something like that I started before I really knew um before I knew YouTube would be such a success. <laughs> oh, if only I'd uh, got going earlier. So, yeah. But there you go. Um, we have, uh, this is a virtual tours on there and what the Wolsey Angels is one of those virtual, um, in, in brackets, virtual, virtual tours. But yeah, so you can see those. Um, now, where was I going with that? Should we should we go on to St George's Chapel then? So yes, yeah, so, so like I say, go and check out um, if you want to see it the picture of Nelson's tomb 
the black sarcophagus that was meant for Henry VIII and prior to him Wolsey was supposed to be having it. Um, uh, a mad journalist just about I think I've got a bit of a way to go yeah yeah there are a few uh, you can miss out 2020 pretty much there's, so there's a, a whole list of virtual tours in 2020 you can do and then all the video in 2020 I did a this week in British history um, which summarized some events that happened in British history now what I did in last year in 2021 is I actually re-edited those so that each event had has a video of its own and it went out on the anniversary so actually you could probably miss out the on this uh, in this week in British history and just watch last year's videos if you want there's a top tip for you now Mariam asked me a ton of questions about St George's Chapel Windsor um, Last week I was talking about my visit there, which I made over um, between Christmas and New Year. I went because I wanted to see the Christmas trees. I went because I thought I'd be able to take some photographs to share with you all. And I wasn't allowed. You're not allowed to take photographs anywhere inside the palace or St George's Chapel. Um, so I will just have to try and... So last week, I think I tried to just explain to you what it was like. And it was lovely. It was really lovely. St George's Chapel, of course, is, uh, well, Windsor Castle, but and the chapel is such a historic place. Now, Marion had questions um, uh, that I, I'm going to do my best to answer, although I don't think, I'm, I'm not a book, I'm not as good as sort of someone who, who specialises in St George's itself. So I've also, um, Marion, I've also found a link to um, a video which you might want to, to look at. But um, Marion was asking me uh, about the Royal Closet. Hello all about history, how are you? Um, She's asked me, Marion was asking me about the Royal Closet in St George's Chapel. So some of you may have seen... Uh, pictures of it or if you've been to St George's Chapel if you're facing the altar on your left up to your left higher Almar 50 um, there is an oriel window dark wood and um, it's 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 referred to as the royal closet it's also referred to less so but for some reason this is the one I'd heard first Catherine of Aragon's closet now Again, I, I, this is something that I, I've, I've, I've read about, but I'm still not totally, um, maybe because I've not done, maybe because I'm relying on, on other people's research for this. I'm not totally sure. Anyway, let me explain. So, Catherine of Aragon's closet, the royal closet, is uh, it's supposed to have been built by Henry VIII for Catherine to be able to watch ceremonies of the garter. Um, now, the article I've read is a really good article by Elizabeth Timms on royalcentral.co.uk. So that's royalcentral.co.uk. Um, and Elizabeth uh, has, has been looking through the records and I don't think she's found any of the actual building of it. Now, the decoration on the closet so on the outside, so viewable from uh, inside the nave, or inside the choir, sorry, is the badges of, uh, well, there's, there's the pomegranate, which is the badge of, of Catherine of Aragon. What confuses me, so that, that's supposed to date it, but what confuses me is that Henry used St George's Chapel. He is buried in St George's Chapel. Catherine Parr, watched the funeral from the Queen's closet, Royal closet, Catherine Oregon's closet, whatever you want to call it. She watched Henry's funeral. Um, Henry had uh, yeah, Catherine Oregon was his first wife and he had badges of hers removed. Now this is paintwork, easily reachable and highly viewable. And what I don't understand and still not found the answer to, and if anyone out there knows and wants to comment below as to why this would be, please do feel free. Why would he leave Catherine of Aragon's badge 
in such a prominent position where it could have easily been covered over. Um, I don't understand. Now, if that's what's being used to date the closet, then that doesn't make sense to me either. So, but um, it was used supposedly from the time of Catherine of Aragon right up to Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria, um, she would use she would use that closet. Um, Marion also asks about the royal vaults. So there are two large vaults. Sorry, well, two two vaults underneath, as of, as as opposed to tombs where the bodies are sort of underneath the, the actual tomb one is the one with Henry VIII in and the other one is um is called what do they call it the royal chapel I'll tell you because I found something about it um and uh, and this is a much much larger tomb it's um vault sorry I should stop saying tomb it's a larger vault um organised shelving lighting it's where you saw the the coffin of prince philip being lowered into um after his uh, uh service at at st george's um they call it the gloucester vault is that right yeah um so that one's much much larger in there is um so obviously Prince Philip's gone in there, George the George the Third, and and all his descendants. Now uh, I've spoken about Princess Charlotte's uh, memorial, which is at the back of uh, St George's Chapel. And Marion asked me if if the Princess Charlotte is actually in in underneath her memorial, or if she's in the vault. She's not. She's in the royal vault. She's in the larger vault. Um, in Henry's vault. You've got him, Jane, Seymour, the beheaded Charles I and the infant um, baby, uh, the, the infant child uh, who, who, who died of, of Queen Anne's. Now she, she lost all 17. Um, I think she was pregnant 17 times, but um, she lost all her children. Now, the Duke, uh, um, the Duke of Gloucester, yeah, William of Gloucester, her son, he lived to 11. She didn't lose them all as infants, but they are all... In Westminster Abbey, I don't know why this particular child is is at um, is at West, uh, is at Windsor. Um, so I've got a few comments here. Uh, Shipu, uh, Catherine of Aragon's badge on the closet. I believe she remained his one true love. Coco says the same. Perhaps he really did love her. Um, Michael says Henry must have been riddled with guilt over Catherine, driven by his need for a son. It's really interesting. Oh. I don't know whether I, I think even if Henry did think that he would have kept it to himself, perhaps what, what I more suspect. And I did ask someone at the at the chapel and, and they didn't know. But what I more suspect is that is that it was reinstated by the Victorians. We have to remember the Victorians got very nostalgic for history. They're responsible for many of the statues that are now a problem because they didn't really think it through. Um, and I, why have a statue to Cromwell outside the House of Parliament? Why have Richard the Lionheart, who spent six months of his 10-year reign here? Um, I believe it was Prince Albert who wanted a Boudicca, Boudicca statue. Fair enough, but why? Don't know. Not sure. So I don't know. It just it seems really odd to me to go to such lengths at other places and then um, and then not here. But... Anyway, that, that's just. But thank you for your comments because I'm I'm interested as to what you think. Um, so Marion also asked me about the Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, and King George the Sixth. Uh, yes, they're in that vault as well. Um, so this is the Royal Vault. It's a much larger vault under St George's Chapel than the one that Henry the Eighth is in, and like I say, much more organised. Um, and finally, she asked me about. Um, I think you did, Marion. You asked me about Queen Victoria and Albert. Now, obviously, Queen Victoria had the Albert um, Memorial Chapel, but he actually he was initially buried uh, in that in the Royal Vault at St George's. But he's 
he was moved to Frogmore. And when Victoria's funeral was, took place here uh, at St George's Chapel in uh, February 1901, she was initially buried in the Albert Memorial Chapel and then also moved um, uh, a year later, I think. Um, no, sorry, only two days later. So that was obviously very temporary. She was also moved to Frogmore. So St George's is fascinating because it's such a it's it thinks it's a working building. So the history layers on its and layers on it and layers on itself, um, which also makes it quite complicated sometimes. But anyway, hopefully that's answered some of some of your questions, Marianne. Uh, before I forget, Michael asked last week about uh, lists of men who fought for the uh, Royal Army. So the army of Charles I and Charles II during the English Civil Wars. Oh, hold on before I move on, Jenna. I also believe the Victorians had Catherine's badge reinstated considering how fascinated they were by the Tudors. Yeah, it makes sense. That's that's well, that's the conclusion I have come to. Um, and without, without a definite um, answer either way, that's, that's the one I, I lean towards. Uh, Michael Cromwell did a lot of good as well as bad. I'm sorry to say I'm a Republican at heart, even though my ancestors fought for the monarch. Now, what I wanted to say is, Michael, I don't know if there are lists. However, I don't. Some of you may remember, and I've spoken actually about this place really recently when I spoke about the commandery at Worcester uh, last week, actually, uh, in the visit uh, visit to the Britain Instagram which I do with Sarah Morris, who's the Tudor Travel Guide, and Deb Royal, who's Tudor Times. We talked about favourite cathedrals, and one of mine was Worcester. But what I wanted to mention was if you go to Worcester Cathedral, have uh, make some time to go to the commandery. Michael, I promise this is relevant. Uh, make some time to go to the commandery. The commandery was a monastic hospital. So... Up until the dissolution of the monasteries, um, so for Worcester, I think it was 1538, um, the, the monastic hospital, which is now known as the commandery, because it was many other things, and I'll come on to that, um, was in existence, and pilgrims would visit there, the sick would be taken care of there. Um, so, and, and the, the wall paintings and ceiling paintings of from from when it was a hospital, um, are still there because they were whitewashed over and uh, found again in the 1920s, I think it was. And they're really vivid. In fact, I think I might have another video on that as well. I have a lot, <laughs> as a mad journalist knows. And um, so, so the commandery though, so it was a monastic hospital. So if you go into the cathedral, Please do go and see the commandery for the monastic hospital part because obviously it's linked. They're within walking distance of each other, of course. But the commandery has its name due to it being requisitioned by royalist forces during the English Civil Wars. And in fact, for the final battle of the English Civil Wars, the Battle of Worcester, which took place on a, uh, the hill behind uh, the commandery. It's now called Fort, called Fort Royal Hill. That's where the royalist forces uh, dug in and um, but they 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 ultimately lost it's Worcester Cathedral Tower that Charles II was supposed to have watched the battle from this is this is after um, Charles I has been beheaded um, Charles II is supposed to have watched the battle realized it had gone against them and he fled and then made this incredible journey in order to escape over to the continent when I went to the commandery a few years ago um, it was more, I, I, I want to say enthusiast run, but I mean, it's always been run, as far as I'm aware, by the, um, by the local council. But whoever was running it had done some seriously good work. Now, I found, well, they had there, lists of royalist soldiers who had been captured after the Battle of Worcester. Now, many of the, or I think the majority of those who fought for uh, Charles Stuart, Scottish, the troops are Scottish. So these men had come down from Scotland to uh, fight for the king. Now, 
followed by their wives apparently as well many many they, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place stay in scotland without their husband's protection or come with him to the battlefield and take your chances but when the royalists ultimately lost the battle of worcester there was a rout and many were captured and they were held at the commandery and then they were they were taken to uh, i believe bristol and they were put on uh, a ship and they were sold into um, indentured uh, slavery so these, these Scottish men were taken prisoner and they were sent over to, I know, Boston and I want to say somewhere else and I can't think. Now, luckily, oh, I say luckily because I'm, I'm thinking it might be useful at some point. I took pictures of this list because those lists do not exist at the commandery now. Maybe someone still has them, but last time I went, they weren't there. Now, it's a full list of the men's names who were taken and and they're the ones who got on board um i can't remember the ship's name now i have got it somewhere they, they're the ones who were taken on board and taken over to america um written down phonetically so you have to read them out loud and in a scottish accent to try and work out some of the names um but so that's the only list i've ever seen of, ah, Michael asks, was there a Thomas Rose? I don't know, I shall have to have a look. I'll have a look for you. Um, but I think that's an interesting story in itself because I hadn't realised before I'd gone to the commandery that Scottish troops were sent over to um, to America. I think they were indentured for eight years. I think it was eight um, until they were freed. So there must be, especially in the Boston area, quite a few people of... Um, Scottish descent. If you are in that area and you think you are, uh, maybe I can have a look on the list for you too. Mm. Okay, cool. So, so we've had um, that. Now, <laughs> I've also shared a photo this week of Christchurch Gate at Canterbury. I think I only shared it last night. Um, and uh, it, that's interesting from a, from a, a big, lock point of view again it was built um in henry the eighth's reign early on in his reign and during the english civil wars uh parliamentarians so cromwell's forces shot at it they shot at the statue of jesus i mean they really did make a mess of the whole thing but they shot at the statue of jesus who who stands over the gate um and then pulled it down so totally totally and utterly destroyed it so if you see um, uh, sketches of the gates that were done anywhere between the the mid 1600s and the um, early 1900s G the, the statue of Jesus is missing then it was renovated and they put in a blue <laughs> I, I don't know what it's made of but it's a blue Jesus he looks a rather odd colour well it well, stands out looks quite good from that sense that from that point of view but the, anyway that's on my instagram you can have a look at that um donna says did you hear about david from the vicar of dibley i did passing on the um on the 10th what's that three days ago they mentioned the royals often on the show such fun to watch vicar of dibley is is very funny um i don't know how many years old the vicar of dibley is now it's got to be getting on to 15 20 years is it um it's a it's a sitcom anyone who doesn't know it's uh, it's rather funny um also this week i shared oh no the, now people reacted to this very well i don't know because uh last friday was the anniversary of catherine of aragon's death um she was only 50 you know she was 50 she died at um uh was it uh, where, where was she kim bolton i want to say father and i knew it wasn't kim bolton castle which um they think the apartments still exist, although Sarah Morris, who's the Tudor travel guide, uh, has been, and they're definitely not in the same layout. Um, that she thinks they must have been a lot larger. But Catherine was sent away from court, but she was almost um, she almost imprisoned herself in a, in a small area of the house. Um, really sad. Uh, the the the. Um, the story of, of, of Catherine's life and how it just started off so well and then, and then um, 
a big a big issue when uh, her first husband Arthur Tudor died and she's stuck in England without her uh, half her diary coming from her father so her father-in-law Henry VII won't release her back to Spain ah oh, starts going on as she feels uh, she's well she's she is and inescapably at that point uh, a pawn in the marriage game of Europe um and for her to die in those circumstances. But we talk about Catherine of Aragon quite often on our clubhouse rooms, and we did so uh, on Friday, talking uh, in the Tudor History Club. So if, you, if you're on clubhouse and you don't um, follow us or you've got out of the habit, we're still there at five o'clock on a Monday, five o'clock on a Friday. Um, on a Monday, we talk about Tudor history. On a Friday, we talk about history and culture, so it can be all sorts. Um, yeah, we, t- we spoke about Catherine of Aragon and whether she was just really quite stubborn in the end as to, well, say in the end, when it came to the divorce with Henry. And had she had uh, been more cooperative, would she have actually secured a better life for her and her daughter, Mary? But um, yeah, that's, a, that's a matter of opinion, perhaps. Um, so I need to set you... Our question as well. I'll come back to that in a minute. But do you remember last week I've started this just for fun question, which I set. I don't know if did it, did any of you do your homework? So I set you the question. I'm going to give you the answer today, and I'm going to set you next week's question as well. It's just for fun. But remember, you have got a chance to do an actual competition of mine. Um, as of midnight tonight, the interview with Tracy Borman goes live. Uh, we talk about talking about female rule and the future of the British uh, monarchy. And you can um, you can win her a signed copy of her book, The Private Lives of the Tudors. And the details of how you can do that are included in the interview and in the comments, uh, not the comments, the show notes below. Um, so, yeah, so we talked about Catherine of Aragon. Um, I also shared the Mary and Darnley coin. Did you see this? Have any of you seen this coin before? If you've been, and I know many of you have been listening to this uh, Thursday Tea Time Live for quite a while now, you'll remember that I went to the Elizabeth and Mary exhibition, which I, off the top of my head, I think is open at the British Library still till the middle of February. Um, and and it was in that collection. Uh, a mad journalist, journalist says, I just find it sad that Catherine of Aragon pretty much wasted away the latter part of her life over an ego, should I call it. Not quite sure. Sad and maddening. Indeed, it does seem that the, the pragmatism um, required to be uh, a royal consort just just lost her. And I suppose um, Anne of Cleves is credited with having this pragmatism. Um, now, that's a, that's that may well be a different story as well. Uh, but but Catherine certainly didn't seem to apply it. And for someone who accepted that God put her where she needed to be at all times, um, suddenly to say, no, I don't think this, I don't think this path was, is the right one, um, is almost a bit bizarre and maddening and saddening. Yes, uh, mad journalist, I totally agree. Um, so the, the Mary and Darnley coin, though, um, I shared it looks gold on my photograph that is my own image it wasn't gold it's silver so I don't know why it came out gold um, and it's uh, one ounce solid silver um, what they call royal now it it's it's got an interesting story if you uh, look on my Instagram you'll you'll find it um, it has busts of Mary the Queen of Scots and her second husband, um, Henry Stuart, Lord Darnley, who was, that's how come we end up with James Stuart. That's, the, that's his name. Uh, he, he's the father of, of James VI of Scotland, who became James I of England. Um, and um, they're fa- they're, the busts are facing toward each other. And Darnley is on the left, which is the um, sort of traditional man's side Uh, and also around the edges are their names and titles and his comes first now when um when oh what was his name i can't think of his name oh here we go 
I have written it in the bits in the uh, in the description. So the English ambassador to the Scottish court, so the guy who um, would report back to Cecil, uh, his name was Thomas Randolph, and he wrote and said um, it's really unpopular. Um, now the insinuation, although it didn't say this, is that uh, that it was really unpopular because. Um, all for the fact that Mary was a woman, but no, still did would prefer she, she's you know she's she's the queen. Didn't really want Darnley's name before hers, and so there were no more of these produced. And a new one, a new coin was created. Um, so this was July. This this first one came out because that's it was when they got married, and by December there was a new coin coming out. Um, uh, which I think then just had uh, had no no images, so no bus, and, and Mary's name came first. Uh, but it could just be that it was a commemorative coin for the wedding, actually distributed at the wedding. So someone um, commented underneath, I wish I could find a coin like that. Well, yeah, if you could find a coin like that, you'd probably be quite rich, because I don't think there are many, <laughs> many around. Randy says, can't wait for the Tracy Borman interview. Well, you have less than no just over 10 hours left until you can watch it um for anyone who's joined since i mentioned it tracy is talking to me about uh, so obviously she's got her new book crown and scepter which you can find on my amazon store um amazon.co.uk forward slash shop forward slash british history she talked to me about female rule it's based on her book by the way i'd read her book um but i've recently read a book about queen anne who we spoke about a little bit earlier. Um, and I also l- had the great fortune of listening to Tracy do a talk at um, uh, a church in Sirencester recently, um, talking about actually the female monarch. So I wanted to, to ask her more about that. Um, so you can watch that video. Like I say, you can win a copy, or a signed copy of her book, The Private Lives of the Tudors, if you... Um, just have a look underneath the video for the instructions and how to um and how to enter uh and the, the again there's a question and guess where the answer is in the video so you have to watch it anyway so yes the mary and darnley coin so it was at the elizabeth and mary exhibition um just really interesting to see um that kind of attitude towards female monarchs and how it just gets really awkward when you definitely 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 can't have a female monarch oh we've got one okay uh and then there's a man involved because she's got married but we don't want him above her so if you could see sort of the the mind mess it must have caused in some people's brains um i've also now Here's a plea. I've also shared a, um, a story, both on Instagram and there's a, a corresponding YouTube video about ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Now, this is a bit of a pitfall with history, um, or I'm finding, and maybe it's just me at the moment, that uh, it, the stories about the kings and queens, um, especially Tudor ones, are really easy to get out to a lot of people. Lots of people are interested, and rightly so. But there are some amazing stories about amazing people that also um, I would love to, uh, well I do share, would love to get get in front of more people and this one is, this particular story is about a lifeboat rescue that took place um, in 1899, so it's 12th of January so we're, we're just uh, a day after the anniversary and this um, this rescue is incredible, if, not just because I think it, I don't know how how big the um, lifeboat crew were, but not just because this crew took a remember a wooden schooner into treacherous seas to uh, save a stricken boat, and all the crew. By the way, they they managed to rescue all of the crew. No lives were lost that night, but the boat, in order to launch it, had to be taken. Oh, actually, we can uh, ah this ah. Oh, how do I not even think this was this was the uh, f- just for fun question? So let me remind you actually. So my question was how many miles did the Louisa have to be dragged to get to its launch point at Port Weir? So the lifeboat was called Louisa, 
um, which I found out doing my uh, doing a little bit more reading about this this week was um, paid for by a man who lives who lived in the town that I now live in. I had no idea. So this boat had to be taken from its usual launch point at Lynmouth to Porlock. No easy feat. Oh, it's over. And if you look on the video, I've tried to show the terrain. Massive hills. Lynmouth is at the bottom of a gorge. They needed 18 horses. The men from the lifeboat crew, the men of the town, the women and children of the town also got involved to get this boat up to the top of the gorge. That wasn't the only hill they had to manage. And when they brought the, the boat down Porlock Hill, which is a famous hill for anyone who has a caravan <laughs> and, and likes to go to the southwest, the, they had to bring the boat down Porlock Hill. It's like a one in four hill. Um, and they knocked out a woman's front garden wall while they did it, as they did it. It's pitch black. They've done this overnight. Um, and, um, and so they get it to um uh to uh to to pull lock and launch it now the lady who the lady whose wall was knocked down she came out to see what was going on um and then helped them found out what was going on and and um was like right i'll give you a hand um marion says i'll wait to download the book by tracy until you give your amazon info okay i see it's on audio yes actually so tracy's book um, sorry, back to that. <laughs> Tracy's book is on Audible. That's I, how I started list, uh, reading it, listening to it, because it's obviously immediate. Um, but now I've got a copy because it. I think if you are interested in the British monarchy and the English monarchy and subsequently the British monarchy and how it evolved, um, it's probably a book you will want to refer back to. So I would recommend it. So my, um, yeah, so... Uh, I would recommend if you if you're somebody like me who likes to uh, to refer back to books, then um, then I'd recommend getting getting the hardback, which I think is half price at the moment. So uh, well worth giving a go. Um, but yeah, if you've got a chance, have a look at the video about the Louisa. Now, seeing as the question was uh, based on the Louisa video, let me give you the answer. So. I asked, how many miles did the Louisa have to be dragged to get to its launch point at Porlock Weir? And the answer was 13 miles. That's quite a way over that kind of terrain as well. Um, that's a mad amount of a mad distance. Uh, anyway, yeah, have a look at the video. Now, let me give you this, um, this month's, no, week. <laughs> this week's question just for fun but you will find the answer in my video about Elizabeth the first coronation it's already available because I published it last year the question I need a bit of tea hold on <clears throat> the question is why did Elizabeth the first stop her coronation procession at Fenchurch so why did Elizabeth I stop her coronation procession at Fenchurch? So you can have a look at my video about the coronation uh, for the answer. Um, Michael, indeed, you did get the 13 miles right. You did. I noticed. I noticed you answered. Thank you. Cool. So next week, or between now and next week, but be ready for next week's show. Tell me. Why did Elizabeth I stop her coronation procession at Finchurch? It's quite cool. It's quite a cool little, uh, <laughs> it's quite a cool little uh, snippet of information. Michael, she stopped off at McDonald's. Yes, she was peckish, needed a burger and all these things. It's funny. Um, fab. So um, what else did what else do we normally do? Oh, let me tell you about some of the uh, yeah. So let me tell you about some of the live events. So this is the only one I do on my own each week. I do five in total. The rest are 
to on Clubhouse. So as I've said, if you're on Clubhouse or if you're not, come and come and join. It's all free and open to to uh, to join now. I know for a little while it was just Apple users, but it's everyone now. I am at Philippa B, at Philippa B on there. Um, and we have a history hour on a Monday and a Friday at five o'clock. On a Monday, it's the Tudor History Club. And on Fridays, it's the History and Culture Club. Um, I also do uh, Instagram Live for History After Dark. History After Dark is myself, Dr. Cat, who's reading the past on YouTube, um, Katrina Marchant, and Catherine Brooks, who is not just the Tudor Tracker. And uh, we talk about uh, all sorts of history on History After Dark. Now, we are in one place now, so we're easy to find. We have an Instagram profile. It is history.after.dark. Um, the dots were necessary because someone has the handle without the dots, although thankfully they're not using it. So you can come and find us. We are live each week and uh, sorry, at 8.15pm on Wednesdays and we do get very spicy, very spicy. Yesterday we were talking about calling BS on historical myths, legends and lies and conspiracy theories. We also went into the conspiracy theory about where the term conspiracy theory comes from. Um, it's very funny. It's in two parts because I think uh, as the History After Dark is a new profile, we uh, whereas now I can seem to talk forever if I want to, um, it restricted us for an hour. So we just went back on and did some more. Uh, there will also be a History After Dark podcast starting really soon, which I keep promising. I promise you it is in the pipeline. It's just that I'm doing all of the editing for it as well. So uh, it is coming. Um, so yeah, so last night we talked about um, myths, some of our, uh, in inverted commas, favourite myths, really the ones that annoy us the most. I don't know if you've got any. Um, things that people just take for granted are true out of history. We talked a lot about how drama has created uh, misunderstandings about certain parts of history. Uh, Braveheart made people's uh, backs shudder, I think. I think Braveheart, the highly inaccurate uh, film, but then so many are, um, and not in not even in specifics. Um, there are there are, are inaccuracies that you have to just know to really know that that something's wrong. So with costume or something like that. Um, but Braveheart, for instance, with the face paint and the tartan is just wholly and totally wrong. It's like hundreds of years too late for the uh, for the face paint and hundreds of years too early for the tartan. It's just stereotyping Scotland. The other thing I always thought is really amusing about um, Scotland in films, and this is the Mary Queen of Scots film, the most recent one, uh, does this, and it just seems to make out all Scottish castles are inside a cave somewhere. No, they, they they did build palaces and castles, same as everyone else. <laughs> they don't live inside rocks. Um, but yeah, it's quite funny. It was a it was a funny discussion. You can get it again on on the History After Dark uh, Instagram profile. So it's uh, history uh, dot after dot dark. Please go and follow us there. Uh, Michael said the myth that Napoleon was short. He was five foot six. Nelson was five foot four. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're still not big. <laughs> I actually don't know. Um, I did a, I remember doing a, well, I did a walking tour um, of Whitehall up to Trafalgar Square where Nelson's Column is. Um, and I've got the measurements of Nelson's Column, which I know is not Nelson himself. And uh, it was shorter when it was um so it was it was renovated i think in victorian times and measured again and it was shown to be shorter than than originally uh people were told and napoleon has a really interesting statue in uh in number one london 
um, the Duke of Wellington's house. Um, what's it called? But anyway, look up number one, London and the Duke of Wellington. And it is Napoleon as a Roman god, Greek god, Roman god, I think. Um, apparently he was embarrassed by it himself, but it was captured and, and Wellington brought it back. It had, it had to go in the stairwell because that was the only place that the floor could support it. Because obviously there's cellars and servants' quarters underneath. Um, and it's so heavy. I think it's made of marble. It's so heavy that it would have just gone through the floor. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's nothing to do with his actual height. It's just funny that there's a, a statue of him, in, like muscular and, you know, some kind of Olympian, um, which I don't think was anywhere near the truth. Um, <laughs> so that's quite funny. Uh, we talked about, uh, in, in the History and Culture Club last Friday, we talked about uh, museums and what they can do to modernise uh, and attract new visitors. And we had the discussion about the stories that are told and are certain stories avoided, just not told, in favour of the stories that just get told and told and told. And actually back to what I was saying about it's easier to tell a story about a king or queen than, um, than sort of, in, in quotes, ordinary folk. Um, I think perhaps museums have a similar uh, difficulty. They have to provide what people want to come and see in order to remain open. Um, Coco says, six foot, sorry, five foot six can be short compared to a lot of people. I'm six foot, so he would be short next to me. Coco, I think you got some of my inches. Because I'm only five foot three. Did you did you have some? I should be having some of that. Uh, so he would be tall. He could take me out. I could wear heels. It would be fine. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, everyone. We are coming up to the hour mark. Um, I will say um, a few reminders check out the Tracy Borman interview. It goes live at midnight tonight. Enter the competition if you'd like to have a go at winning um, Tracy's uh, book, The Private Lives of the Tudors, which she has kindly uh, signed for us. Um, if you're a patron, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash British history right now and get the, uh, and get the, um, uh, interview now with the extra Patreon questions added on to the end. Jenna, she's six. <sighs> Jenna's six foot one. Right, if we ever meet, I'm wearing platforms. I'm going full on sixties. <laughs> I just can't. I can't be doing this. Oh man. Yes, I know. It's quite hot. Do you know? It genuinely is hot. Difficult being short. I hate having to ask. <laughs> I hate having to ask for things to be brought down from a shelf. I genuinely hate it so much. Um, so I don't know, Marion, how tall Josephine was. Um, okay, everyone, I am going to leave you to your day. Thank you for joining me. If you want more exclusive history content, then please do check out my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash British history. If you just want, if you want any of the books, oh, I know I was going to tell you about, sorry what I'm reading. So I'm obviously reading Crown Scepter. I've mentioned it many times. You can find that on my Amazon shop, amazon.co.uk forward slash shop forward slash British history. But also this one, can I get it on screen? There you go. David Starkey's Six Wives, one of the first books that I ever read actually about Tudor history. Um, I listened to it on CD and now I, and, and if any of you have been following me for a while, you know, you know that if I picked up a book this size, I'd never have read it. But it is brilliant. It is brilliant. And that you can also find on my Amazon shop. I would thoroughly recommend that. Maybe maybe do it on Audible. Depends how you how you like to... I do get put off. But then saying that, I'm referring to this all the time again. So I do that quite often. I have an Audible book and then I buy the actual book as well so I can refer to it. Um, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa. That's pretty... That's pretty good. I got that URL. Um, but for now, just thank you so much for your support just watching me. Um, and please share with any history-loving friends. Come and uh, follow me on Clubhouse, Philippa B. Um, and 
if you like your history a little bit spicy, come and follow uh, history.after.dark so that you can catch us each um, each Wednesday. And I'll be back tomorrow at four o'clock for Visit Tudor Britain. We'll be going live on Sarah Morris's profile. That's at um, the, the sorry, that's at the Tudor Travel Guide, uh, followed by Clubhouse at five o'clock. So. I think tomorrow um, Sarah and I are talking uh, places uh, related to Thomas Cromwell and in Clubhouse, I can't remember. I will have a, keep an eye out on, uh, on my Instagram story and I'll let you know what we're talking about because I can't remember. Right, everybody, thank you so much. I will see you all really soon. Bye. Bye, everyone.